I can tell you that right here is different from right there because my heart beats faster here than it does right there. Uh, let me just say thank you very much. Um, I am honored to be here this morning. And um, uh, I'm, I'm not really a man without words. I always have words. Um, in fact, I was so excited. Uh, the, the, the board told me, Scott, you got till 1 o'clock to preach, so take your time. And I said, I already love this church already, you know. So thank you for clearing, fasting with me today, you know, during lunch and hanging out. I appreciate it very much. Some of y'all are like, I hope he is, this is his sense of humor right here. Um, it is, it is. It's a, it's a blessing and a privilege and an honor to be here this morning. With me, if I've not met you yet, I've been trying to make some rounds, but if, not, if I've not met you yet, uh, we're looking forward to it. With me uh, today is my family, and uh, I don't know where Kaylee is. Where did she go? Did she go to the kids' ministry? Oh, okay. Boy, she's lucky. You know what I mean? Like, she just, she got out of here. So, Madeline's my oldest. She's 16. Aubrey is 14, my youngest one. Kaylee is eight years old. Yes, I have all three girls. Yes, I have a plan. Yes, I have a plan. Uh, and last but not least, my wife, she's 29. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, she's 29. Um, we would love to meet you this morning, so if we've not gotten the chance to do that, please allow us to do so. Um, if you don't mind, let me just jump right into the Word, because to me, that's all that really matters, right? Uh, you didn't come to hear anything else except Jesus Christ, and I want to get straight to that. As, as I was preparing this message, um, I remember a story way back. Uh, Madeline, when she was young, I'm, I don't remember how old you were, seven, eight, nine, ten, something like that, but uh, she had this medical issue where her stomach was just, would just cramp and put her in some real, real pain, some real pain. And, and you know, parents, you know how it is when your kids are in pain. You, you, in a heartbeat, you would you'd switch in a heartbeat. And I was so frustrated because, I, you know, I, I couldn't fix, I, I couldn't, I didn't know what was going on. We just knew she was hurting. And so we took her to uh, the ER one night. And as we got there, uh, she was just, you know, on the table and the, the doctor was about to come in. And in my heart, I was like, Lord, I don't need no doctor. If you'll just heal her, we can get out of here and save me the bill, hopefully, right? If you'll just... If you'll just heal her, I don't need medicine. Lord, I know what your word says, that by your stripes she's healed, that you died on Calvary so she could be healed, that there's a healing in her in your atonement. So let me just get out of here and go home and let's glorify you, and that's what I want, Lord. And, and so we left that night. She was still hurting, and so was I. So was I. I thought, you know what it's like when you pray for God to, to come through and you know what his word says and you know those things are true about him and for whatever reason, the Lord just does not show, right? He doesn't have to reveal his, his omniscience to us. He doesn't have to reveal his ways. But in those moments, I think, Lord, I, I still believe you are who you are, but I'm still dealing with some disappointment over that. And it doesn't change the way I look at life. It doesn't change the way I see him. But I know that when I left that place that night, I felt, I felt like he left me confused and frustrated and without understanding. But I know one thing, he never left me. And I'm thankful for that. And I think that sometimes we have to understand in terms of God's faithfulness, 
is that he doesn't always reveal his plan. Sometimes that's the best thing. But God is faithful. He is true in every, situ- every situation. Every, every possibility, Lord, is always there working for us. And I was reading and doing some research on this. I, I saw the great Isaac Watts. He wrote many of the hymns um, that we sing. And he wrote this, Happy the man whose hopes rely on Israel's God, he made the sky. And earth and seas with all their train, and none shall find his promises vain. His truth forever stands secure, for he saves the oppressed. He feeds the poor. Not just man's hopes, not just Israel's beliefs, but, but the oppressed can testify. The poor can sing of his praise that hear me. This is the banner statement today. As you know, Caleb already said, God is faithful. He is faithful. And the world is doing their best to prove otherwise. And the enemy is doing his best to prove otherwise. And though he may work and he may try, he'll never prevail. That my God is faithful. I know it because his word says it. Numbers 23, 19, the the, the prophet uh, Balaam said this. God is not man that he should lie or son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Or my favorite verse in Hebrews, this is, this is my go-to sometimes. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised might be faithful. No, he didn't say that. That he is expectationally faithful. No, it says very clearly that he is I don't have to question it. I don't have to research it. I don't have to process it. I don't have to test it. I just know that he is faithful. Scripture is completely replete with stories about how faithful God is. And we can talk about the subject of God's faithfulness from the theological ivy towers where everything's clean and perfect and right. But that's not the world that you and I live in. We live in a a world that leaves you desperate sometimes. Leaves you lonely and lowly sometimes. Sometimes we probably we could muster up all the stories in this room and we would see where there were times where where our expectation of God to do things left us there. Maybe in our marriages and our finances or our wayward children or careers and opportunities or, or in healing. There's so many things in life that sometimes we think, Lord, I, I believe you, I trust in you, but I don't understand what you're doing right now. And the world wants to tell me that you're a liar, but I know better. And so today... As we pray, I want you to know that I know what it's like for heaven to be silent. I would almost rather the Lord tell me no than tell me nothing. The silence of heaven is the most loudest sound that I know. And I think about Israel when they were in captivity for 400 years. They cried out to God, right? They were, they were being taskmastered and, and having to undergo su- uh, gen- genocide, murder, and, and all these different things. And they cried to the Lord, and the Lord didn't say anything back to them. But what I want to say today is that God is still God even in the midst of failed expectations. In fact, I think that we see him greater as God. He is even more faithful in your failed expectations. If I could echo Moses' heart, and then I'm going to start preaching. <laughs> Deuteronomy 7, 9, he says this, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps the covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. What do you do when, 
when the exodus has yet to happen and you're on this side of the Red Sea with Egypt? What, how, do you, how do you process that? Father in heaven, we've come to hear nothing but your word. Lord, you know the life that we have led. You know the country that we live in. You know the families that we've come from. You know the disappointments, God, that although we believe and testify to one thing, God, there are things lodged in our heart that we still yet need explanation or, or understanding, God. And you don't even owe us the understanding for it all. But, Lord, I pray this morning, God, that your spirit, Lord, would give me peace over every situation, God, every confusion and misunderstanding, God, every failed expectation. I pray that the faithfulness of God is something that I can't hold back. It's shut up in my bones, Lord. I would declare to the world who you are, regardless of the world and how it paints your picture of, of your son. We love you, Lord, today. We ask for your anointing, your blessing, God, that inasmuch as you anointed people to write this word, we need your anointing God to interpret it and understand it. So would you do us a favor? Bless us this morning with your spirit in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, there are many lessons in life that I'd like to learn from. The nation of Israel is a lot there, but there's one particular story that I find most intimate. I, I, I like to wrestle with scripture. I, I, like the, I like the dirty things in scripture that don't always seem so great because I love the humanity of Scripture that says, Scott, you could have been in this story. You, you could have seen this. You could have smelled the dirt. You could have understood the pain. And that puts me there because if I can be there in that moment, I can also feel the glory of God in that moment as well. I want to be immersed in Scripture. And so today I want to kind of take a journey into John chapter 11. Many of you probably know this story already, the story of Lazarus. Um, there is probably no greater miracle that I know of, have read in the Word of God concerning Jesus' miracles than that of Lazarus. But also, probably no other story that brings about the most disappointment. Jesus didn't do what we asked him to do. He didn't show up when we asked him to show up. So if you don't mind, you read with me. I will say this, if you're not accustomed to fast talkers, uh, you might want to just today, just appease me today. If I get excited, I'll, my words will flow faster than my brain can think, and sometimes I don't even know what I'm saying. So, you know, just hold on with me for a little bit. I'll read this, this word, 1 through 16. When a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment, wiped his feet with her. His brother Lazarus was ill, so the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. If you can highlight, notate, something like that, you need to circle that. That's a very important scripture. Verse 5, now when Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you are going there again. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, but he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because light's not in him. And after saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. And then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, mm, 
For your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And so Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Let me just stop and just say, I, I need to address the situation here. Sometimes we associate in our effort to explain why God's not answering our prayer or showing up, and we were asking him to show up. Sometimes we associate failed expectations uh, to failure on our behalf. We think the Lord's not doing something because we have been unrighteous or not been faithful or committed. I've not prayed enough. I've not fasted enough. I've not worshiped enough. I've not given. I've not done. So whatever we use to, to, to ask the Lord to do something because we feel like we're in this contract that if I do, you will. And thankfully, God does not care about your faithfulness to him. If I could say this morning, God's faithfulness to you is not based on your faithfulness to him. And I thank God it is not. Because we are not in a contract. We are in a covenant. And so God will never change who he is because you change constantly. And so I'm very thankful that when I try my best and still yet fall short, the Lord says, I am unchanged by you, Scott. If I told you I will, guess what? I will. And that is encouraging for me. In fact, the Lord is so faithful that if he promises the dirt something, that cannot do anything outside of his hand and reign, that he will fulfill his word to the dirt. When he told the ground that you're going to rest every year, and, and Israel did not honor that, he pulled them up out of Israel, put them in exile for 70 years. That was the time he owed the dirt rest. And then when they were done, he brought them back. If God is faithful to dirt, he is faithful to you. That's how I know. That my God is not worried about the life that I live if he's faithful to me. Now, let me clarify that really quick because some of y'all say, well, if, if, if he's not worried about the life that I live, we still, mean, we still need to maintain an altitude of righteousness, even though you may hit uh, some turbulence along the way. I'm not trying to preach anything. Y'all going to get crazy on the weekend for me. <laughs> but let me just repeat that God's faithfulness has nothing to do with you. Has everything to do with him. Let me just expound in this story because when we see Mary and Martha, what we see are two people, arguably probably one of the closest people to Christ and, and, and Lazarus. And so what we see is Mary and Martha, and they're asking the Lord to come. They, they, they present this situation. Jesus, Master, Lord, you, you love Lazarus. It's not whom he loves. He's not that he just loves you, but you love him. And so they appealed. They even asked Jesus to come and heal. They so trusted Jesus that he would show up because they knew of his love for Lazarus. They just said, Lord, that person you love is ill and left it that way. I don't know that I could pray prayers like that. Lord, um, you know what's going on in my life. Amen. <laughs> you know, no, I'm like, Lord, let me just, uh, uh, can I just help you plan for a second, Lord? Uh, on this third day of the second hour, I need this person to come along, and this person, they got to go away, a long way. And, and, the, and the Lord, I, I, feel like the Lord, I feel like I'm the jester of the court when, when I walk into the Lord's presence. Well, here comes Scott. This is going to be fun. Let's listen to what he has to say. He has it all worked out. No. Thankfully, my relationship with him uh, does not bind him. To do something. But what I want you to know is that Mary, I don't know anybody else in Scripture. In fact, when, when, when Mary broke open her alabaster box at his feet, he said, he said, this woman, 
will be known by everyone because of her sacrifice. She gave all, and that she did, it was a year's worth of wages. She sacrificed everything, and yet he didn't bid her call. Martha would do anything for Jesus. You know, she was the servant. She was the doer. Nothing. And yet he didn't bid her call either. So what I'm saying this morning is, is that you can sacrifice everything, and you can do everything, and still yet feel the failed expectations of God because sometimes he doesn't do what you want him to do. In fact, I would just say sometimes he wants to do something better, better, always better. Look at verse 5 and 6 with me. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, and so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place that he was. I would love to tell Julie sometimes, because I love you, I'm not doing those dishes today. I'm going to do them in two days. I'll bring home, well, we don't really do milk in our house because we have some allergies, but I'll bring home whatever you need me in two days. No, no, y'all know you can. I'll fix that in two days. Somebody tell your wife, I will in two days because I love you, baby. That's why I'm going to do it in two days. I'm going to do it in two days because I love you. I'm thinking, Lord, that don't work in the marriage. I don't understand how that works over here. I'm just going to tell Julie one of these days, I'm just doing what the Word tells me to do, baby. It's two days late, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Y'all won't see me again. Uh, <laughs> so what I'm seeing is, is simply this. It's God, why would, you, why would you do that? Why would you wait? And, and it was simple, because he loved them. Jesus had already healed people, made the lame walk, the blind to see, raised the dead, right? He had already displayed his power over flesh and spirit. All of those things are already there. So we know Mary and Martha knows what Jesus is capable of. They know it. They have an expectation of that. And, and, and so, so why, why don't you come, Jesus? Because what Jesus was about to do was greater than anything else they had ever seen. Could it might be? May, may, maybe. Maybe. God is waiting a little bit while longer to do something in your life. Maybe God has allowed some failed expectations in your life because just maybe he doesn't want to do for you, for everybody else, but he longs to do something greater for you because he loves you. Maybe for your, you can run with that all day. But I want you to know is that not every attribute of God's work is on full display, but every attribute of God is always at work. It's always at work. Look at verse 4. But when Jesus heard it said, the illness does not lead to death, it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. The fact that Jesus addresses this is, is, is a whole other issue God's dealing with. He's saying it is for the glory of God, almost like it was on the calendar a long time ago. Don't, don't think this was something that caught me off guard or something I wasn't preparing for. No, it is for the glory of God. I already knew a long time what this was going to be about. I already have a plan. What's your plan? To glorify the Son? To glorify the Father? 
It's already on the issue. He said this sickness, sickness is a temporary thing. It's not been around forever. Only since Adam and Eve has sickness been around. But the glory of God is eternal. We're talking about eternal things, things that have always been on the calendar. And what are you trying to say this morning, Pastor Scott? What I'm trying to say is this. Before there ever was a problem, there was a plan. Always, always, whether it be in your marriage, your finances, your church, your life, your home, your kids, before there ever was a problem, there was a plan. There's always a plan. We look at Noah and we see that, that there was this heart to always continually to do unrighteous. People's hearts were always evil. And the Lord knew that because he had a plan in Noah, Right? Not only that, but he also thought about in terms of Egypt that there was always this, uh, this slavery and this oppression going on. And they cried to the Lord for 400 years. Like, we can't even imagine what it would be like for the Lord to be silent for 400 years. But long before there was ever a problem, there was a plan. And I just want to remind you, in case you forgot, that to... Thousand years ago, there was a man who hung on a tree. They called him the king of the Jews. The apostles wept because they thought the end was near. Mary cried. Satan was excited. And the problem was in full control. But three days later, although there was a problem, the plan showed up, right? The Lord stepped out and said before there was ever a problem, there was a plan. Man, I'm talking about that. I'll, y'all don't seem very excited. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. When you're raising kids, you're excited that, that before there was ever a problem, there was a plan. Right? You're excited that when you get a bill you can't pay, you're, thank God, I know there's a problem, but there's a plan, Lord. Lord, there's some issues in my life. Father, I don't know how to navigate this part of my marriage. There's a problem. There's a plan. And I just want to speak to your fear and your doubt whether it be issues of our country, before there ever was a problem, there's always a plan. And I can go to bed knowing that regardless of how big the problem is, it'll never exceed the plan of God. Should I stop preaching? Are y'all good? Can I continue? Verse 14. I'm sorry. Let me, oh yeah, verse 14. Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad, glad that I was not there. So that, may, that you may believe, but let us go to him. Let me just say that again and let it sink into your heart and soul. Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. When I read that, it's almost like, I'm so glad that he, I'm so glad I failed your expectations. I'm so glad I didn't live up to what you thought was God, because I'm something more than what you think. I'm something more than what you expect. In fact, when I was reading this, the first thing that hit me was going back to the law when he says the first commandment is what? Thou shalt not what? Have no other gods before me. And the second one is that you should not bow down to what? Any graven image. I think that's peculiar in the sense because the Lord doesn't want you creating anything because you can't comprehend who he is. The sin of the golden calf wasn't that they were worshiping another god. It was that they were trying to worship God in a limited perspective of who he was. God says you can't create something and worship it because it'll never represent me. And some 
times in our life we have a situation and a problem and we have a plan and a package and we create a God to fix this issue and the Lord's like, don't worship golden calves. I got something better for you. I am a God that's more than your expectations. Thank you, Lord. I think so limited, but you are unlimited. He's more faithful, more powerful, more willing to do more and show more that I could ever ask or think. I'm thankful for it. It's not a matter, when, it's, when, when, it, when we talk about God's faithfulness, it's not a matter of what he does. It's a matter of who he is. God is always trying to get you to see who he is greater. God is not trying to prove to you what he can do. He does not need your validation. But as a father, he's always trying to reveal himself to you. He wants you to know who he is. That's why Paul says, I, I, I count everything as done. N nothing matters to me. All I want to know is Christ, to have that knowledge of Christ, that revelation of Christ. And this is what John is echoing here as he glorifies the Son. He says, don't look to what he's doing. Look to who he is. In fact, if, if, and I'm just thinking here, uh, Go with me to uh, Philipp guys. I didn't put this back there. Go to go to with me to Philippians chapter two, um, verse five. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it right here. Ha it says this. Y'all there? I'll wait till I stop hearing the pages rustle. This is good. Verse 5, having this mind amongst yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He's doing here. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself. He's doing here. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, why is he doing? Easy, because he's going to reveal Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is every, above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The doing is always the overflowing of the revealing. When God is faithful in your life, God is always trying to see you, get you to see who he is. That's why he's doing. He's not having to do anything at all, but he wants you to know intimately and personally who the God of the universe is right here in your world and in your situation. And so not only do we see this principle here, but we also see it in verse 24 and 27. John chapter 11. He says, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming to the world. What I want you to see here is Martha's statement to Jesus concerning the resurrection was her belief in what God will do. And, but, but notice what he says. He says, woman, <laughs> quit looking for a promise. I am the promise. Quit looking for an event. I am the event. Quit looking for a moment. 
I'm what you need. It's, it echoes almost of, of, of the Samaritan woman at the well, right? And she says, Lord, give me this water. He's, woman, I am the water. I am. If you ask of me, I'll give it to you. And sometimes we're so busy, and Lord, if you could just do this, if you could give, if you'll, just, if you'll just help me along the way. And Jesus is saying, I just want you to know that it's me that you need. It's not my hands. It's me that you need. And, and the Lord, whatever your problem is, he can give it to you tomorrow or this second. But what he loves to do is take you on the journey that you might learn who he is all along the way. Because the destination is not near as important as the journey. One of these days, you and I will be in the final destination in heaven. And the whole reason will be there. And so we will finally see him face to face and know him for who he is. Notice, it's not so he can take care of me and provide. It's to know him for who he is. Our life as you mature in Christianity, you can look at yourself really fast and assess, where am I? Do I love Jesus for what he does or do I love Jesus for who he is? And wherever you are in the scale is letting you know where your maturity lies. I would say seek him for who he is. Lastly, verse 28 through 30, it says that when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here. And, and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When I read verse 30, I thought, man, notice this, is that Jesus had not yet come into the town. He, he went to the place where they rolled the tomb. And I thought, how interesting is this? Because Jesus doesn't come to the place where Mary is is weeping, and this is the place where she's coping with pain. And I thought, Lord, why wouldn't you go to where she was at? But you're going to the place that she, she hurt the most. This is the place that reminds her of the pain she's going through. Lord, we're talking about the faithfulness of God. I need you to show up and help me move through some stuff, get through some things. And the Lord says, I, I'm not trying to go where you are to help cope with the pain I'm so faithful that I'm going to go right back to the place that caused the pain. Because I don't want to just give you life after death. I want to exchange death or life for death. It's something about God. It's not that he just delivered you from your past, right? It's not that he just absolutely allowed you to, to make move and, 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 and move past the problems of your life. God says, let me just take all of that out of the way and let me give you brand new life. Can I just tell you a little bit about me real fast? I don't want to say too much because I spent most of my life not forgiving my dad. And when I finally forgave him, when I finally got to the place where I was able to forgive him, I told myself I would not talk about what he had done, but I would just say that it was not the best environment to grow up in. And there was a lot of things in my life that I had went through and that me and my sister had suffered through. And, and, um, but as I grew old, I didn't even know that you could have daddy issues at the age of 40. But I remember laying in my bed um, one night and telling Julie, I just tears rolling down my eyes. I'm just tired of being controlled still. I'm a grown man. And I still feel like my dad is controlling me and, 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 and dealing with me. It's because I was, even though I had life after death, I had not allowed the Lord to really exchange the death of my life for life. 
And sometimes we do that so well. We learn to live with the pain, right? We, we, we just kind of hide it and tuck it away because, one, we never allow God to really deal with it. And, and sometimes, to be honest with you, it, it's, it's disappointing. It's disappointing that, that certain things didn't happen and certain things weren't reconciled in a certain way. So I, I, I met about five years ago. Uh, I met with my dad, and he was in the hospital. And, and um, I walked in, and I said, Dad, uh, I, was, I was told he was going to pass away, and so it was going to be a, a moment I just felt like I had forgiven my dad years, 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 and years. And, uh, but it was something that you just make commitment to. You, you know, every day you're just making that decision. When I walked into the room, I realized there were still some issues there. So I, I said, Dad, I just want you to know a couple of things. I want you to know that God loves you. God loves you, and I love you, and that, uh, and that I forgive you. And man, I was really hoping <laughs> my dad would say, thank you, son. But my dad looked back at me and said, well, I'm thankful for that, but I don't know what I've done to need forgiveness. And uh, boy, that was tough. And I realized right then that forgiveness is not a matter of someone receiving it, right? It's a matter of someone giving it. And so I just said, Lord, I, I, I can't, I'm, I'm done with the life after death this is where I experienced so much pain. I'm done with it, Lord. I'm done with it. Like Mary, I need you to meet me at the place that caused me pain. I need to see a miracle in the midst of the place where I thought all life and all hope was lost. And I would ask you this morning, where is it in your life? The Lord didn't do what you knew he could do. Maybe it's still there. Maybe you're still believing for healing. And, or, or, or maybe it's, it's more relational. I'm not, there's so many things we could talk about this morning. But what I want you to know is that you can experience joy where you experience sorrow. You can experience acceptance where you experience rejection. You can experience love where you experience hate. You can experience understanding where you experience confusion. You can experience peace, where you experience all hell break loose. You can experience hope, where you experience disappointment. You can experience healing, where you experience pain. And most importantly, you can experience Jesus, who paid it all, where you experience the world, which cost you everything. This morning, what should our response be? Our response would be simply this, Jesus came to Martha and he said, I am the resurrection, but many times God said, I am. But he says, I am. And the question he asked was this, is do you believe this? So in the face of what you've been through in life and what you're still trying to get through, the question that Jesus would ask you is, do you believe this? That everything you read in his word even though your pain speaks to the opposite, even though your frustration speaks to the opposite, even though your confusion speaks to the opposite, even though your past speaks to the opposite, even though your family speaks to the opposite. If you believe this, that whatever you need Jesus to be, he is the great I am. Would you stand with me this morning? Father in heaven, we only know one name here. 
We only need one name here. And God, we are not asking you to do. I know that healing and I know that provision is found in who you are. So God, I don't deserve for you to respond to anything I have to say. I just know that there's a people that are in need of you. I just know that someone, Father, is looking for you. And I would ask, God, that in your benevolence and your mercy and your grace, that you would leave the throne room of heaven and you would come down in this moment, Lord, and you would reveal to them that you are the Son of God, that you are the great I am. And so, Holy Spirit, I, I pray in this moment, in the stillness of our heart and our life, Address the issues. Speak not only to our heart, but also to our mind. And allow the healing, allow the restoration to start this morning. I would ask you while your head is bowed. If you've never known Jesus, and you say, I, I do want to believe in him. Or maybe you've fallen away from Christ. You know you, you know where you need to be. The Holy Spirit's been speaking to you. It's, it's not been my words at all. And you would say, yes, I want to answer that question of Christ. It says, do you believe this? And you say, yes, I'm a bit frail. I'm a bit uncertain. I'm a bit worried. I'm a bit fearful. But definitely, yes, I believe him. If that's you, would you come down? I want to pray with you this morning. Wherever you might be, don't be scared the second question I would ask is simply this is if you have some unresolved issues with Christ if you have some things in your heart in your life that you've still not found explanation for and the whole time I was preaching you know the Holy Spirit was speaking to you about this and he's wanting to tell you that I'm still faithful I'm still faithful and if you would respond to Jesus this morning and say, I believe that you are, regardless of how I feel, regardless of how the conditions look, you still are. If that's what you, would you step out this morning? I would love to pray with you this morning. As we pray, if you need some time just to come and stand around the altars, we want to open up. This is the best place ever to be. And so at this time, if you want to come and pray, see God with you.